1: Easter is a day, but it is so much more than a day. Easter is a season, but it is so much more than a season. Easter is a way of life, new life, in a crucified and risen Savior. So we on this day and all our days can still say, Christ is risen. Please stand for the call to worship. It seems as if all of creation is celebrating with us this new life, bursting forth with color and with song, and so we with creation can sing, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. God of glory, Lord of love, hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. And with the light of this new day, we give all praise and glory to our risen Savior and sing our hymn of praise. Thine is the glory. Let us worship God. Please be seated. Why is it that part of worship is confession? We come to worship and we confess week after week after week. We confess because we are acknowledging that we are sinners and we need forgiveness and God offers that forgiveness out of His grace and abundant mercy. We acknowledge by confessing our sins and receiving forgiveness that we are saved by grace. We do not confess that we might be saved by grace so that we can go out and for another week sin again so that we can come back and be forgiven again. Yes, grace saves us, but it also transforms us. That as we examine ourselves, and examine and experience God's abundant grace and mercy, we are transformed by this act so that we are changed more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So yes, by confession we acknowledge our sin and we are saved by grace, but we are also being transformed by grace. So let us in this transformative act bring all of who we are before the throne of grace with confidence as we confess our sins together. Let us pray. Eternal God, whose covenant with us is never broken, we confess that we fail to fulfill your will. Though you have bound yourself to us, we will not bind ourselves to you. In Jesus Christ, you serve us freely, but we refuse your love and withhold ourselves from others. We do not love you fully or love one another as you command. In your mercy, forgive and cleanse us, Lead us once again to your table and unite us to Christ who is the bread of life and the vine from which we grow in grace. Lord, hear our prayers. We offer them in the name of the crucified, the risen, the living one, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Friends, the saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and bore in his body on the cross all of our sins. All of those things that divide us from God and from one another, putting those things to death so that we have died with Christ so that we also may be raised with Christ to a new life, freed and forgiven. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel.
2: I'd like to invite all the children down for a children's sermon. a small group today. Okay, have any of you wondered what color shoes God likes? No? Well, I brought a couple of shoes today to show you. What do you think you'd use this for? Soccer. Okay, soccer cleat. And what do you think this is? A tennis shoe, running shoe. Okay. And where do you think you'd wear this shoe? To church. So, do you think if I wore... The soccer cleat. Do you think I'd still get into heaven? If I'd have on a soccer cleat, maybe a soccer uniform, and my hair was just a mess, I'd just come to a soccer from a soccer game. And, oh, God, can I please get into heaven? Do you think he'd let me in, even though I might be a mess? Yeah, you think so? Or do you think he'd let me in if my hair was fixed so nice, and I had just come from church, and I was wearing this shoe? Do you think he'd let me into heaven? He would. So do you think it matters what shoe you wear if you get into heaven? No. So James 2, verses 1 through 4 says, My dear brothers and sisters, never think some people are more important than others. Suppose someone comes into children's church wearing nice clothes and a gold ring. And at the same time, another person comes in, maybe from a soccer game, wearing dirty old clothes. Are you going to... Ask the person who's dressed nicely to come into children's church or would you ask both of them? Both of them. You show special attention to the one wearing nice clothes and say, please sit here in this good seat. But you say to the poor person, stand over there or sit on the floor by my feet. What are you doing? You are making some people more important than others. So let's imagine that I'm standing there again at Heaven's Gate. God's going to let me in, isn't he? no matter what I'm wearing, because God looks on the inside, right? Okay, praying in three, two, one. Dear God, thank you for loving us just for who we are. Help us not to judge others based on their appearances. Teach us to love like you love and to look at others as you look at others. Teach us to be kind and accepting to all different kinds of people. We want to obey your word. Amen. Okay, now you can go back and sit with your parents.
1: that's only for the children though will you pray with me please good and gracious God giver of every good and perfect gift we thank you for the gift of this day for the gift of this time of worship for the gift of your Holy Spirit present with us here, closer to us than our breath. We thank you for the gift of your word, for by your word you tell us that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. As we open your word today, we pray that you will open our hearts and minds, that you would shine light into places in our lives where we would not want to go or have not been in some time but lead us there by your grace with greater understanding and confidence that we might see more clearly who you are and who you are calling us to be by your grace. So Holy Spirit, have your way with us as we ask you to open us to your word as your word is opened now to us through its reading and its preaching for your glory and for Christ's sake, amen. All who are able are invited to stand for the first lesson. Comes to us from the Psalms, Psalm 51, a psalm of contrition and penitence, beginning with verse 10, Psalm 51. Listen to God's word. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise, for you have no delight in sacrifice, If I were to give you a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
3: Invite those who are able to please stand for our second lesson. It comes from John's Gospel. And listen now to the word of the Lord. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And, and he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my lambs. And Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to Peter, Shepherd my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him, The third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Truly I say to you, when you were younger, you you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. This is the word, excuse me. (laughs) Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Imagine with me a series of scenes. These are scenes that you have probably seen in a movie, Or seen on a television show, read in a book, or actually lived in your life at some point. First, imagine this classic scene, and all of these are what I call the moment after scenes. But anyway, imagine with me a classic scene it's after a wedding, it's at the reception, and the bridal couple they have left on their honeymoon the cheers, the goodbyes have all been said, and there remain but a few wedding guests. Now this is a classic in a movie, because usually at this point, the other couple of this story have a time for words together. If there has been differences they have made up, if there has been some chemistry between the two, they, they're basically saying, well, let's just see what's next, where this is going. If there's reconciliation to be made, it will happen at this scene. But also, at a time like this, the uh, parents, usually of the bride, maybe the groom, are also having words together, a time together, thinking to themselves, we have now launched this one out of the nest, fully and completely. And if it's a movie, they're usually reaffirming their love for one another and having one special dance at that time. But maybe you have literally lived a scene like this following such an event. Those are questions of relationship. Sometimes in a moment after a big event, you come to questions of relationship. Or imagine this kind of moment after. And this one is really more of an era, months after. That follows graduation. Thinking of a college graduation, I remember the months that followed, and year really that followed my own graduation, talking with friends, visiting with friends, and it was, well, this is my apartment, and these are my roommates, and this is my job. Isn't it fun? We are grown ups now, a sense of excitement about that, but also a time of going, well, what now? What now in my life? Now that, yes, I've launched as they, the, the plan was all these years for me to do this. For some, it's a case of saying, hmm, the job. They don't play nice on this playground. Or maybe realizing there's still more that I have to learn. Adjusting to that, that new time of life. Again, there have been some movies that focus on that, that launching of life. Those of you, I think there's some of my era may remember St. Elmo's Fire. I don't know if you saw the movie, but it, was a, it spoke a lot to a certain group of us at a certain time in our lives as we were launching out or preparing to launch ourselves. Those kinds of moments after bring about questions of identity and purpose. Or imagine a birthday. After your 16, 18, 21, the big ones are basically ending in fives and zeros. So imagine some landmark birthday, and you've celebrated with family and friends. You've had a great time. And the days that follow you wonder, and what next with this new era of my life? One friend of mine recently had a landmark birthday, and there's a smiling picture of him on Facebook. He has a box full of letters that people had mailed, was uh, I mailed to his wife, she had put in a big box and that was his big gift on the day where well, people just shared, again, their appreciation for him, the things that he has done. He is smiling, there's a celebration there. Now, one woman shared about her 60th birthday, though in a surprise party that she was given by family and friends, and she said, when it was over, I could have killed them all. Because, bless their hearts, they meant well what they had been, as done, part of the celebration, quote-unquote, was to hearken to her age and saying, well, you're now on the shelf. You, you, you're These activities, these organizations of which you've been a part that have identified you so much, well, it's time for you to move to the side and you're out to pasture. And though there was some humor in all of that, and maybe not really, well, yeah, we really think you ought to go out to pasture, there were the hints of that. And she was really quite depressed for months to follow. What next in this stage of life? And actually for her, began an exploration of how do I define this next era of my life? What is my new mission? Another woman shared about a couple of changes she experienced in her 50s, of kind of several years period, that was a moment after, realizing A, I am this age, and B, there was good things, like she became a grandmother, There were some scary things. She had a health scare, which it all worked out, so it was a good thing in the end, but it made her think about her mortality. And there was also a career choice that she made to follow, to stick, actually stick with a particular job that she enjoyed very well and not pursuing a promotion or what would have been considered a promotion. And a friend said, well, you know, I'm I'm glad you like what you're doing, because you know you're basically gonna be doing that now for the rest of your working life, because of where you are. And that, for her, began an era of saying, a time of saying, what do I do next? What is my, my mission, my purpose, in this next block of life? It's days like this Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, that we find ourselves at a time of what next? I know one pastor refers to this as, so what Sunday? We've had the big celebration of Easter, but as you will notice, the lilies are gone. And those beautiful white flowers we had out here in and had in the narthex, they are gone too. What now? What next? It's just the kind of situation that the disciples are facing here in our reading. I read just a few verses here, But in that larger section of chapter 21, they've experienced a lot. But Peter says, literally says, I'm going fishing. He's with the disciples and he says, I'm going fishing. And they go fishing with him. And they are out. And they're out fishing all night. Now think about it. The dis- Jesus has appeared to the disciples now after the resurrection several times. He has seen them. They have beheld him. Thomas, who missed one of the appearances, said, I'm not going to believe this until I can actually see him and touch him. And now Thomas has seen him. Thomas has touched him. All of these exciting things, awe-inspiring things have happened. And they're going fishing. After all that has happened, they're still trying to make sense of it. And do you blame them? They have followed Jesus for three years, investing their lives with him while he invested in them. They have eaten with him, fished, walked, listened with him, and had their conversations. They've had their Passover meal with him, their last supper. They witnessed his arrest. They witnessed, at least in part, his crucifixion. And by now all have seen the risen Lord. They have seen a lot. They have gone through a lot. And I'm sure they were exhausted in many ways. And so when in doubt, you do what is familiar. And for them, that is going fishing. The story goes that once a woman got some very bad news. Her husband was a fisherman. They lived in a village of fisher folk. And one day, his boat went out, but it did not come back. And some men came to the house to give her that very sad, hard news. And the men were amazed to see her next response. After hearing the news, she put the kettle on the stove to prepare tea. She began to sweep the floor and to tidy up the main room. And they asked her, I mean, do you understand what's happened? have you know, that moment of wondering, did she really get what we just said? And she responded that she was following the advice of her mother. When you don't know what to do, there's been bad news, hard news, you do what would the normal thing be. I have people coming over and so it's time to serve them tea. And I want my house to be in order. And while she got her head around the much bigger news of what had happened, of her widowhood, in the midst of that, she knew she could do the things that she knew she needed to do, the normal, everyday tasks. When in doubt, do the next normal thing. And then Jesus appears, and like old times, he asks them, Have you caught any fish? No. Well, then try the other side, he says. And they do. And behold, they catch a bountiful harvest. And Peter recognizes Jesus. And in usual Peter fashion, he jumps into the water and swims ashore. And he leaves his fishing buddies behind to bring in that catch and to bring the boat in to safe safe landing. And I'm sure they're thinking, same old Peter, he is going off. Just boom, is half cocked. They come ashore, and Jesus has made breakfast for them. And the scripture says, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Come and have breakfast. A very basic, simple, ordinary invitation. And then we read these words, now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. I could just imagine them looking at each other at this moment, doing that. Okay. He has invited us to breakfast. Oh, uh, Yes, that means we have breakfast. We sit down and have it with him. Exper- this is what the experience tells them, you go ahead and you eat. Breakfast has been served. And then we have our interesting exchange that I read about earlier, where Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Three times he asks him. And Peter gets to respond, yes, I love you. Now some of you already know that earlier Peter had blown it. Not once, but three times. At the Last Supper, Jesus had said, One of you will deny me. And Peter said, Well, not me, not me. I will fight to the end for you. And you know, Jesus says, Before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. And then they go to the garden. Impetuous Peter cuts off the ear of one of the servants run along with the arresting band, again impetuous, wild guy that he is, and Jesus heals Malchus. And then Jesus, I mean, sorry, Peter runs, and Jesus is taken away, and Jesus has the trial. And Peter is watching from a distance. And so he's got that funny Galilean accent. It's obvious that he's not from around here. Maybe you've had that experience if you've traveled out in other parts of our country if you've been up in in New England or the Pacific Northwest or Denver. Remember once being in Denver and just going to a store and having to buy an item. And of course, oh, you're not from here, are you? That obvious, is it? Okay. Anyway, it's obvious that he's not from Jerusalem and it's obvious he's got the Galilean accent and a Galilean is being arrested and some people are putting two and two together and they ask him, weren't you with him? Are you one of his followers? And three times, Peter denies. And the cock crows and Peter cries bitterly. Three, ta- three times Peter denied Jesus and now three times Peter has, the t- has an opportunity to profess his love and commitment to Jesus. A, r- a writer, Nate Bailey, shared about, about this story in light of a larger section about understanding God's forgiveness of us and the totality of God's love for us. She said, here is where Peter really experienced the totality of Christ's love, a love that does not take into account a wrong suffered. Jesus did not throw Peter's failure into his face. In fact, the Bible does not record Christ ever mentioning the denials after the Last Supper, a wonderful fulfillment of God's promise that he will remove our sins as far as the East is from the West and remember our sins no more. Think about it. Three times, yes, he's asked him, do you love me? But he never throws back into Peter's face and remember those three times you denied me? He never brings it to his attention. Now, Satan, as the accuser loves to bring our failures, our past failures, our past mistakes, to our faces and rub, try to rub our noses in it. He is the accuser and has us thinking, I'm totally inadequate, I'm not spiritual enough, I don't know enough, I'm not doing enough for God. But it's the Lord Jesus Christ who justifies and accepts us and can even use our failures for his glory. Ney goes on to share, quoting a gentleman, J.C. Metcalf, in his book, a Principles of Spiritual Growth, and quoting here, "...without a bitter experience of our own inadequacy and poverty, we are quite unfitted to bear the burden of spiritual ministry. It takes a man who has discovered something of the measures of his own weakness to be patient with the foibles of others." Such a man also has a first-hand knowledge of the loving care of the chief shepherd and his ability to heal one who has come humbly to trust in him and him alone. Therefore, this person does not easily despair of others, but looks beyond sinfulness, willfulness, and stupidity to the might of unchanging love. The Lord Jesus does not give the charge, be a shepherd to my lambs, to my sheep, on hearing Peter's self-confident affirmation of undying love. Think about this now. But he gives it after Peter has utterly failed to keep his vows and has wept bitterly in the streets of Jerusalem. In this sense, in this place, Peter's experience, the totality of God's love for him in Christ Jesus. He knows now that he is forgiven, and the relationship, the fellowship, is assured. The day after, the week after, a month after any big event, we often have a deep need to come back to see if it is true. Was it real? Does it matter? One of the reasons many of us like to look at the Christmas tree on, December 27th, even if there's still some paper in the corner and presents still gathered on couches have not been put away yet. But to be back in in whatever room, wherever you keep that Christmas tree, and to look at it on such a day as that, to say, yes, Jesus Christ is born today in Bethlehem. It's why we come back on a day like Low Sunday, as the Anglicans call this Sunday, To come back on So What Sunday, the Sunday after Easter. To hear again, yes, he is risen. My sins are forgiven. In our text, we see the disciples of Jesus making sense of it all. All they had seen and heard in a short period of time. Like most of us, they started where they knew, doing what was familiar, and that was fishing. And Jesus met them at that familiar place, and gave them some great fishing advice, and even fixed breakfast for them. Three times, Peter is asked, do you love me? And three times, given a a mission, a purpose for his life. Peter experienced three simple realities of a right relationship with God, relationship, like I said earlier, a renewed mission and a renewed purpose for his life. An interesting exchange follows that, picking up in um, following verse uh, 18 and 19, where Peter, having been told now that, you know, one day you will go to a place where you don't want to go, turning around, Peter saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had also leaned back on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who who betrays you? Peter therefore seeing him said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. The saying therefore went, went out among the brethren that that disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only... If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? And this is the disciple who bears witness of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his witness is true. They were given two different missions, two different purposes to follow. Peter was called to be at that time a shepherd for the early church, guiding the believers. John also serving as a witness but Peter would later be martyred. Tradition tells us at his request he was crucified upside down, saying he did not deserve to die like his master. John is the only one of the disciples that we believe lived to old age. He died as an exile, but one who bore witness to what he had seen in his early days in the words that we have in the Gospel. Each though was given, it was different, but given a new mission, a new purpose. The moments after a big event, we look at core questions, questions about relationship, and here we read that Peter experiences the totality of God's forgiveness. We look at times, what is the mission to follow? What is the purpose, identity that we have? Here, Peter and John both experienced that. And for us today, we come to this table, this meal that is prepared. It's not a breakfast. But nevertheless, at this table, Jesus Christ serves as host and invites us to come. Maybe you are at this table needing a purpose a direction to follow in the months ahead. You need a goal, or maybe just said, "Yeah, you're going in the right direction." Reaffirmation of your just of your destination. Maybe you come to this table with some past sin, something that's been happening in the recent past, or maybe in the last months it's been hard, and you're bringing that to this table. Whatever you bring to this table, you are welcomed as those disciples were many, many years ago at a breakfast. Today, Jesus meets you at this table to serve you as host, just as he did so long ago. Amen. Before we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, let us affirm our faith through this hymn, Just As I Am. (music) Thank <music>
1: We remain standing and we affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven is a day of joy and celebration and we are celebrating the fact that we are in God's house and we are celebrating the fact that we have friends and family guests and visitors among us we'd like to have a record of all who are with us today if you would please fill out the uh, the pads as they're passed down the pews so we could have that information if you're looking for a church home we'd like to invite you to become part of the ministry of First Presbyterian Church here in Columbus If you would like more information about how to become a member, please speak with me, with Reverend Downton, one of our elders, uh, or members, and we would like to facilitate that uh, official membership with you. But we're glad that you're here today and you're welcome. We welcome those who are visiting us, worshiping with us through our television ministry or through our live streaming on the web. And you can visit us on the web at columbusfpc.org. Pray that this has been a blessing and will be a blessing for you today and in the week to come. A couple of announcements to call to your attention. We have a new series starting up on Wednesday nights, and we also have an uh, Easter or spring special. Wednesday nights are $5 for the meal, and uh, the, the fellowship and the lesson to follow is priceless. We'd love to have you with us on Wednesday nights for the remainder of the spring. Also, you notice that there's an opportunity to offer names for the, for the uh, slate of officers that will be presented later uh, in the month of May for deacons, elders, and trustees. If you uh, have a name that you would like to offer to that nominating committee, we would appreciate hearing from you. Also, we solicit, we covet prayers for other groups working in the church to find a children's ministry director. There's a group forming for that position and to search out and discern and pray for that person to serve us in that capacity. Also the ongoing work of the associate pastor nominating committee. That work is well underway and uh, exciting things are happening. Continue to pray for God's guidance with that group in the life of the church. We're still receiving our Easter offering, our one great hour of sharing for Presbyterian disaster assistance and for our global mission offering. And mentioning offering, it is time for us to worship God through our offerings. So out of the gratitude that we feel for all the blessings that God has poured out upon us, let us return our thanks and our praise through the offerings of our lives and our labors with this morning's offerings. Let us worship God. Good and gracious God, you are the giver of every good and perfect gift, and we praise you for all of your blessings, and return unto you now a small token of our gratitude. Receive these gifts and use them for your kingdom purposes, that we may see your kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, and use not only these gifts, but use us as well for your good and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
3: This is the joyful feast of the people of God. We are told in Scripture that they will come from the north and the south and the east and the west and feast at the table of the Lord. Jesus Christ himself is the host. He is present here. He invites those who have been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, those who trust Christ as Savior, those who are repentant of their sins, to come and he will feed us through through this bread, through this cup. We will be fed and nourished.
1: Come to his table. Let us pray. It is with joy that we come to this table by your invitation, loving God. As we come to this table, we look back across the scope of creation history, and we see your faithfulness. You have extended yourself to us time and time again by your love and by your great mercy. To Adam and to Eve, that we fell. To Noah in a renewed covenant. To Abraham throughout the history of Israel, you have extended yourself time and again and called us back to you through your prophets. Lord, you are ever faithful, and you have upheld both ends of this covenant relationship we have failed you we can see the ways that you have continued to be faithful to us in our own life journeys and are grateful for the blessing of your grace but we see your faithfulness most clearly in your son Jesus Christ your greatest gift to us that he came to live among us came to offer himself as a servant came to be obedient even unto the point of death and death upon a cross out of great love for us And so we we give you most high praise and thanksgiving for your Son, Jesus Christ. For it is Christ Himself who invites us to come to this table to remember a body broken and blood poured out for us and our salvation. But Lord, you have not even left us alone here at the table, but you have sent your Holy Spirit present with us here, closer to us than our breath. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit, that as we come to this table again, it will not just be out of habit or returning to a normal pattern but that by your spirit this would become a fresh taste a foretaste of your heavenly banquet so bless we pray these common elements that the bread that we break and the cup of which we partake will be for us the very body and blood of our savior and that as we take them into our own lives we would take the very life of christ into our own and that we might live his life in the world by that strength and that power today and all of our days. With great thanksgiving, we lift this prayer and now in one voice continue to pray as with the confidence of your children you taught us saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
3: Hear these words of institution. for I receive from the Lord what I hand on to you. That on the night our Savior was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread. And after blessing the bread, he broke the bread, gave the bread, saying, this is my body broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For every time that you eat this bread and every time that you drink from this cup, You proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes again.
1: Jesus told his disciples that they would not be left alone, but they would receive his peace. Elsewhere in scripture, it says that we receive God's peace. Specifically, Paul said in Galatians, the fifth chapter, that a fruit of the spirit is peace. And it is a peace that passes all understanding. It's it's a peace that we cannot really describe or define, but it is something that we receive an experience, and something that we also share. It is Christ's gift to us. And so as we have received the gift of Christ in this meal and the peace that passes all understanding, we now go out into the world to share it, and we begin here. By turning to a brother or sister and saying to them, the peace of Christ be with you.
3: And also with you.
1: Let us pass the peace of Christ.
3: shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself what does God require of us but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God and now may the love of God our Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all both now and forevermore amen